Hello, everyone, and welcome to Scandalabra. I'm your host, Mark Burnett, and today we are taking a deep dive into fashion, something I love, not necessarily great at. You know, I, I've been on the worst and best dress list, at least in my own head. Um, but we're talking to Los Angeles stylist Susie Gergerich. Uh, Susie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I'm so excited. You know, uh, you know, I know you as a stylist, but you do so many other things, and we'll talk about that as well. Um, so, really, so you you you've worked with Melissa McCarthy. How was that? That was probably one of the most fun days I've ever had on set. Yeah, we did um, a Valentine's Day kind of thing with her and her husband for the Hollywood Reporter, and mm -hmm. she is just so wonderful she's a beautiful human being and i mean i think i laughed through the entire time <laughs> i mean i bet i get goosebumps just hearing you say that <laughs> i mean i think about bridesmaids and oh my god what a <laughs> what a standout you know and uh i'm glad to hear she's nice i love it when people in hollywood are nice you've also worked yeah, with nisi nash and mario and believe it or not i i actually have met mario so what was it like working with him and, and is it different working with women versus men it is. Again, with Mario, I went to his home for mm -hmm. People Magazine and so welcoming, you know, was offering us like drinks and food. His wife is great. His children are beautiful. Mm -hmm. A lovely person. So I've been so lucky in my career that I haven't ever had really any bad experiences in working with people. Yeah. But men tend to be a lot easier than women, to be honest. Really? Less moving parts or what? Less moving parts, and they aren't as concerned uh, with their look. I mean, they know they're there. They know there's a fitting. The grooming comes in. But women tend to second-guess themselves at the last minute, which can make mm. our jobs very hard. Ah, uh, sounds like you need a lot of backup. <laughs> yes. Like, if it was like the Golden Globes, you know, and yeah. it's a male, he's set, he's ready, he's out the door, but a female might want to change her shoe or her jewelry. So you always come prepared with backups. Sure. All right. And then obviously uh, someone we share in common, our good friend, Nisi Nash, we'll talk more about that too in the yeah. show. So before we begin, um, we've been doing this really fun game called two truths and a lie. Uh, it's, you know, a popular game where people basically tell three brief stories and it's our job to guess which one is truth, which two are the truth rather, and which one is the lie. So, uh, would you like to go first? Um, sure. So right. I was on set with Ben Affleck and got to dress him for a commercial. Okay, cool. I styled a Toyota Super Bowl commercial um, five years ago, and I've been to the Super Bowl five times. Oh, you make it so difficult because I know you're a lifestyle reporter in sports. So like you're giving me the access there. So um, I don't know. I just believe the last two, not like I don't believe the first one, but maybe the Ben Affleck story is a lie. I actually have never been to a Super Bowl. Oh, no, really? I know. I'm hoping this year in L.A., it's wild. I've been to every basketball event, but yeah. I've never been to the Super Bowl. All right, cool. Well, you got me. All right, that's a good one. Let's see if I can pull the wool over your eyes. Uh, <laughs> I'm using all my fashion metaphors here. Um, okay, so first one. I wore a pair of black and white spats, which are basically these you know, black and white shoes, to um, 
I, I was hanging out at a, a kind of a lounge in Mexico City, and literally some guy came up to me and said, those are the coolest shoes I've ever seen. He goes, do you want to go to a late night party? And I was like, I don't know if he was hitting on me or really liked my <laughs> shoes. But the point is, we literally walked in front of like 10,000 people in line at this party, and I got like free carte blanche access. So I blame it on my black and white spats. The second one is I went to the Oscars and I ended up at Elton John's after party for the Oscars and I wore a man dress. So I, I'm going throwing way back to this whole trend around man dresses. The third one is I always wanted a pair of Levi's in high school because I didn't have a pair and uh, I was in junior high. So I went to the local mall and they had this big wheel, kind of like Wheel of Fortune, and I spun it. And I guess you win like dollars where you could go shop at any store. And so I was so had my heart set on buying a pair of Levi's, but it ended up buying a carved wooden duck instead, which I think was a foreshadow into my interior design <laughs> career. So you've got my black and white spats getting me into a really cool party. My man dress at Elton John's after party at the Oscars or the Levi's that turned into a carved wooden duck. Which one do you think is the lie? I am going to say the mandress of the Elton John party. <laughs> You're so good. Um, so I, I, I feel like I know you and I'm like, I think yeah. I might've heard that story at some point. <laughs> well, so I went to the Oscars and I actually went to Elton John's party, but do you honestly, not no, I did not wear a man dress. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that because I, I feel like there's so much androgyny going on in fashion right now, but before we yeah. do, Let's take a step back and talk a little bit about where you came from. I, I, I was really excited to learn that you're from Las Vegas. I am. So my father was a basketball coach in right. Las Vegas. So we moved from Pittsburgh to Vegas. Mm -hmm. And then I went to school at UC Santa Barbara and then went to the Fashion Institute. And that's how I landed in Los Angeles. Yeah. So a little bit about your dad. So he was a head coach for UNLV, right? He was an assistant and then was the head coach for a little while. And then he went into the NBA. Gotcha. And so now is he still currently coaching? Crazy enough, he is. He's 80 <laughs> years old and is wow. entering his 27th season in the NBA. Oh, my God. And we, we don't know when he's going to quit. Yeah. I mean, it's in his blood, right? Well, I, you know, he probably shouldn't quit because you know what they say. When people quit like that, it's like, boom, you know, it's just over. Um, so Agreed. I hope that doesn't happen. Um, now, where? what team is he uh, coaching for? He's currently with the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, okay, so cool. All right. Pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, you know, it's funny because we can juggle this whole conversation around fashion and sports, but we're going to do both and we'll just weave them together. Um, right. Also, I was excited to learn that you were a ballet dancer. I was. I was actually pretty good at it. Yeah. Well, it makes sense <laughs> because when I met you, you know, just a quick sidebar. When I met you, first of all, we were on Clean House and you were the stylist. And I, I remember the exact episode and you walked up and you just had this beautiful, long, lanky body. And I was just like, who is this girl? But I'll be honest with you, Susie. I was like, she is no match for us. We're just going to bulldoze right over her. You were so sweet and shy and geek. And, and I was like, how can you handle this cast? but you did but the point is so yeah talk about that how did how is ballet influenced fashion or has it i think growing up in vegas i never kind of realized like the glitz and the glamour of you know dancers and mm -hmm. the shows 
I was always kind of fascinated with that. And then obviously was a ballet dancer and my mom had wonderful fashion. So I've always been really into like the creative side of it. And I think just living in Vegas kind of influenced me into really liking costume and costuming and design. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think where that sort of came from. Um, I don't really know how I wound up at the Fashion Institute. I think I didn't want to enter the real world after college and was like, oh, I'll do one more year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I have to tell you, you are probably the fourth or fifth guest that we've had who's gone to FITM. And uh, first of all, I should tell you that my Eddie, my husband, now my now husband, uh, went to FITM as well. And so we've had and I used to work with uh, someone who was. Uh, went there as well in visual merchandising. So it's a really good school. So what did you decide? Like, you know, were, were you, was it your calling or you just need, like you said, needed another year off or what? I kind of wanted another year off and I mm-hmm. had a couple of friends that were going and I thought to myself, I really like fashion. This could be something that I could be good at. And so I just did their merchandise marketing program mm-hmm. and Honestly, I, the day that I walked in there, I just, I loved every single moment of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so for those who don't know, um, FITM, the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising is in downtown LA. And, and, and probably when you went and even when my Eddie went, you know, downtown LA was not the place to go. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was very different than it is today. So um, now were you living in LA and just attending classes during the day or how was that working? I was, I was living in Los Angeles and kind of, and then I don't know when Eddie went, Mm -hmm. they did not have all the programs they have now. So it was only for a year. I mean, they definitely expanded Mm -hmm. down there, which is great. Um, And then I got an internship with a company by the name of Miss 60. Mm -hmm. And I was basically helping stylists that like would come in to pull. So that's when I first kind of realized like what a stylist did and mm-hmm. how much fun it is. Cause I was in the showroom and they would come in and kind of would start talking to them and they would say, you know, come and intern for me. And that's how I kind of dove into the styling world. Sure. Well, you know, I'm familiar with Miss 60 to some extent, but um, I remember they had a showroom and correct me if I'm wrong on Melrose and Crescent Heights. It was kind of on the corner there. And the reason I remember it is a car crashed right in through the front window. Now you didn't happen to be there around that time. Did you No, that was past my, my time. <laughs> okay. You remember and that then- though. Yeah. I do. And for those that don't know Miss 60, it's very much like a diesel. Mm -hmm. I kind of, they both have that kind of same feel. Italian brand, kind of upscale denim, right? I mean, that's kind of how you describe it. Um, Super cool. Okay. So now you say the word pull. So, you know, I know what that means because I've been in your world. So it sounds like you need to talk us through the day in the life of a stylist. So when you say pull stuff, what does that mean? And how does that start? And talk a little bit about your approach. Like, what's the first thing you do when you know you're on a job? So there's kind of two ways to look at it. Mm -hmm. If you land a job like on Clean House or an ad job, you have a budget and you actually shop. Mm -hmm. So most stores have what they call studio services and you go into Nordstrom's, you go to their studio department and you can pull $10,000 worth of wardrobe and you have to keep 20% of the merchandise that you took out. Okay. So So, you have to guarantee that you'll buy 20%. Yes. Okay. So as a stylist, you kind of have to like work your budget and say like, 
I'm not going to do a studio poll on everything. I might shop for some pieces at the Gap, but for mm -hmm. a big poll at Nordstrom's, you have to really be aware of what your budget is. So as a stylist, you should be pretty good with money as well. Right. Um, and then if you're doing like a celebrity style or you're doing a magazine editorial, mm -hmm. you would reach out to Prada, Dolce & Gabbana, even like a Miss 60 and let them know who you are pulling for and for what event. And then they'll either send stuff from their showrooms or their, you know, New York offices. And that's basically like a PR loan. Mm -hmm. So all of those pieces will go back at the end of the shoot or the end of the red carpet. So you're telling me someone's job is to sit inside these companies and go, hmm, okay, let's see, cover of Vogue, um, this bits Melissa McCarthy. Okay, how, wh where's the barometer? So they just determine, yeah, okay, we should do it or we shouldn't? Yes. <laughs> and it's That's a brutal job. <laughs> and, and it's frustrating because if you're kind of um, hired to do maybe somebody who's not an A-list celebrity. Sure. It's not sometimes not easy to go to showrooms. So there's a lot of push and pull because sometimes these people expect these brands to be on set with them and they're not there and vice versa. So it's it's a little bit of like trying to grease the wheels and get to know the people in the mm -hmm. PR houses so that they start doing some favors for you. Yeah. Well, you know, we had the privilege of speaking with Bridget Walsh, who um was a top publicist here in LA. So she coordinated a lot of those shoots and brands and polls as you're talking about um, working with stylists like you and then went on to Vogue magazine. And one of the things that I, I thought was really fascinating is it really is a kind of bartering bargaining thing. Do you ever get in a situation where you're like, okay, look, you know what? Neiman Marcus, give me these three dresses. I'll tell you what, I've got another gig coming up and it's a little more high profile. I promise I'll circle back with you. Is there that kind of stuff going on or is it literally just one job to the next? There is a lot of that going on. Yeah. What will happen is sometimes you'll be caught up in like three jobs at once. Mm -hmm. And I've seen stylists pull things for a client that they tell the PR company they're using it for and then they use it for oh. this other job that they're working on. It's different now though because social media has really changed all of that. You can't really get, get away, away with it. With yeah. So, it pe anymore. so people are policing it. They're able to see it instantly. Yeah. So um I've run into that quite a bit. But yeah, usually like when I was in the height of doing more celebrity styling, mm -hmm. My relationships with the PR companies were great. And sometimes like, yeah, they would do you a favor. If you're like, I have this coming up. Is there any way that I can just like pull a dress or two for a day? So who is your most difficult client? I want to put you on the spot. Let's just say challenging. You know, they, they, they don't have to be emotionally difficult, but you know, just like it was a, it was a really tough shoot, really tough job. I have, I think it. Every particular time people can be difficult. Mm -hmm. Like the Super Bowl commercial I did with Amy Purdy mm -hmm. sometimes can be difficult because she gets tired quickly. You know, it's hard to find shoes for her because, you know, she's lost both of her legs. And so it's not that people are difficult. I think just sometimes on set people get tired and they're getting pulled in so many directions mm -hmm. that their mood can then interfere with like what you're doing. Mm, gotcha. And I, you know, I, and I think anytime in this industry, as well as it, just in the service industry, 
you know, we're, we're therapists. <laughs> Do you ever find yes. that you're providing therapy for your clients? Every day. I mean, clean house was definitely that. I mean, you know, whether it was like Trish or Nisi, you guys, huh. the, uh-huh. the men were great. But yeah. like, I mean, not being difficult, but I would feel that most days there was something going on with Nisi's wardrobe or hair and makeup or Trish's wardrobe or hair and makeup. And yeah. so, and it was never difficult. It was just, it's kind of par for the course that somebody might be having some kind of issue with something. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I always describe clean house. First of all, in May, there's so many ways I describe it, but for me as the designer on the show, it was just problem solving all the time. <laughs> you know, there was never a moment where you, something didn't break down or not work out right. And it was like, okay, what are we going to do? Especially when it yes. came to the design, because we were, you know, we were installing a design super fast, you know, minimum three rooms within 24 hours. And then in some cases with the messiest home that went across the country, we're doing a whole house in a few days. So yeah. I imagine, I imagine your car just must be packed full of stuff. Is that true? Or do you feel like your process is streamlined? I think when I first started, I would over pull. Mm-hmm. And I think I still work with a stylist here and there. And that is, I mean, she loves to do that. But I feel like now I'm a little more streamlined. And I think with Clean House, you know, the first year that I was there, mm-hmm. I probably had way too many options. But then as I got to know all of you and your style, then it was much easier to not have 500 options. Yeah. And I think if you had to rank us, I'll go ahead and rank us in degree of difficulty. I would say <laughs> Nisi would be top. Um, because after all, she was the host. Um, we were all co-hosts. I would say Trish would be next. I would say I was third and without a doubt, Matt was fourth. That's a guy <laughs> who were, who, by the way, you know, on Scandalabra, so we will get the lowdown. Um, he wore a pair of khaki. I, do you remember? Wore the same khaki shorts every day to set. <laughs> I developed his style. I I see him in his career now, and I'm like, I just want everyone to know that I am the one that brought him into actually wearing clothing. <laughs> so I know you worked on RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, and I know um, Matt. Oh my gosh! Oh God, he was on the celebrity version. I believe won it. So. Um, the uh, I just I laugh because I think about him and just how simple and what a basic guy he is. Such a great guy, too. And then here he is wearing dresses and, you know, just really going out. What, what, yeah. Tell me about that show. Was that challenging? Was it again? You're not only just dressing men for men, women for women. You're dressing men as women. Or were you a part of that or what? I was to a degree. First of all, that was the wildest show I've ever been on. It was so much fun. So they have two costume designers that actually were hand sewing and doing everything for kind of, not for RuPaul, but for kind of all of the people that were on it. Mm -hmm. I was on Drag U, which was where they would bring three women in that were normal women Mm -hmm. and put them in drag. I think that's only... I think they only did it for one season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I also that. did kind of like all the visuals for them, like mm-hmm. all of like the shoes and the background and the dresses. Cause what they would do is these three women would like kind of run through this showroom, kind of like supermarket sweep style. Right. And pick out all these outfits that they would like to put themselves in. But I did get to see 
how that show worked and thrived every day. And again, RuPaul is just like, I can't even explain what an amazing person he is. Mm -hmm. He would just sit there and talk to everybody. And he's from Pittsburgh. I'm from Pittsburgh. So we would always kind of talk about that. And a great, wonderful person. Well, you know, I have to say, um, maybe it's coming from the world of hosting. I don't know. But when I started watching RuPaul, I said way back in season one, that guy needs an Emmy. He needs an Emmy. He needs an Emmy. He's really one of the best hosts of a reality show I've ever seen. Yes. Because he not only drives the business of the show, he's unique. He's different. You get what he stands for. He's supportive. But he also can kind of lay the gauntlet down, you know? And I think when you put in in a loving way and um i I can't tell you how thrilled i've been and i know many people have over the last several years because he just keeps consistently winning uh, you know the emmy um but yeah he just seems like an awesome guy um okay so cool so speaking of um you know supermarket sweep contestants running through a store do you remember the show what not to wear or, or is that way before your time it sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I, you know, I'm so glad I'm talking to younger people. It just keeps me so young. Um, what not to wear, <laughs> what not to wear was this really cool show with Stacey London and Clinton Kelly. Probably. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Stacey London's show. Uh-huh. I do remember that. And they, they would yes. ambush someone who was just horribly yes. dressed. They were nominated by the family. And then they would offer the person five grand to buy a new wardrobe. And, it, you know, basically, in order to do that, they'd have to throw out their old wardrobe and put on the new wardrobe, and then it'd have to be critiqued by them. I just remember that show so much because it was like my first introduction into, wow, you can really make fashion faux pas, like mistakes, right? Yes, you can. <laughs> you can make several of them. Yeah. And so, you know, for people listening, like, what are, what are, what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to fashion? Is it just wearing something that's just wrong for their body type? Is it trying to be too old or too young? I don't know. You tell me. You know, I think this is actually a good question because I am 42 now. Mm -hmm. So my style has evolved. I always kind of tell people body type number one. Okay. And I'm not a big trend person. Yeah. You know, I think right now, like I walk into Nordstrom's and the nineties are back. And I was like, I wore that tube top when I was in high school. So (laughs) I think sometimes people try to dress too young Mm -hmm. for their age. And I see that kind of happening a little bit, but I mean, my biggest advice to people is really fine tune your own style. You don't have to have a ton of things. Like I look at like Jennifer Aniston. Mm -hmm. She to me is like the biggest, she knows her style. She does it well and she hasn't changed it. Yeah. So you know, she'll always wear kind of the same type of look and it's mm-hmm. great. That's interesting. So, you know, first of all, I'm a huge fan. So we we talked all of season one about finding your own style. Not really finding, that's the wrong word. It's letting your style evolve and emerge and, you know, because it's within everyone. I believe that. And I think, you know, we we look outside for things that align with who we are. Um, Some people try to emulate other people. And I think that's what I'm hearing is that could really be a mistake. You know, emulating someone else, someone who's really not you, um, it might seem a little forced, um, right? I mean, we see that often. Yes. I mean, once again, too, I think even when I worked with you, with you, you know, 
your style. You were never difficult at all. It was always kind of like you had an idea of what you wanted and mm-hmm. how you wanted to dress. And I feel like you've always had great stuff. Hmm. Well, thanks. Uh, no one's ever said, <laughs> I'd like to hear Eddie say that. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie might not be the same. Not kidding. <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, there's been many occasions <laughs> where I'll just be like coming out of the bedroom and be like, uh, really, you're going to wear those shoes, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I was. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, I, we all have our strengths, right? So, but yeah, that's where I got to lean on you. Hey, everyone. I want to take a moment to thank Misio Home for supporting Scandalabra. Imagine having access to the creative minds of the world's best artisans, designers, and dreamers. Misio Home was launched for design-savvy enthusiasts just like you and me because we appreciate original works, quality materials, and above all, how our home makes us feel. And now we have a very special code from ECO that will get you, our listeners, 20% off. Just use the word podcast at checkout and you will receive 20% off on your next purchase. Thank you, Misio. That's M-I-S-S-I-O home.com. So tell me a little bit, how did you transition to doing wardrobe for a TV show? And like, do you, do you remember that moment you were offered your first TV show and were you excited or how'd that happen? It was actually clean house. Okay. So I think that I started styling around 28. I had been working for a sports agent. And then after Miss 68, I went to a full-time job for a sports agency, mm-hmm. started doing closets for some of their wives and was like, it's time to kind of try to get into styling. And I think I freelanced for three or four years underneath big time stylists doing work. And a friend of mine recommended me, I think, to Jamal, possibly, mm-hmm. at Clean House. And, and I have to be honest when I say this because I can say it now. I was so green when I came into Clean House. I mean, I had never been on a television show like that or assisted on like a TV TV show. So, All right. And just for our listeners, so back in 2010, Jamal Robinson was our line producer on Clean House. And he's now, if I'm not mistaken, over at Netflix. He's the VP of production management for the US and Canada. Yeah. So when you say when you guys first took a look at me and I was, it was so funny because Trish and I will talk about it. She's like, you walked in and I was like, there is no way that girl's going to style me. Right. And I was, I was very young and green, but for some reason, it just kind of naturally came to me. And that was my very first actual job in television. Was with hmm. you guys. Yeah. And now, and then you were with us for how many seasons? Do you remember? So, gosh, four or five. I was yeah. there all the way until the end right. when it, we, you know, yeah. stopped I, shooting. So I think about five years. Cool. And then, um, so at that point, are, do you have an agent or do you just, it's word of mouth and other people are recommending you? How do you, how did you transition to other shows or how'd that work? I did get an agent as Clean House was kind of phasing out. I knew mm-hmm. that I was going to have to go back into the freelance world. So that's when I did get an agent and got a lot of work for the next couple of years. Gotcha. Cool. Um, and so what are you doing today? Like, what did you do yesterday? You know, what's the day in the life of Susie like right now? What are you doing? So when the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. it was actually, you know, as we know, everything kind of shut down. So 
I kind of started realizing that I wanted to look at going in-house again. Um, just the life of freelance was kind of a little bit crazy, but I would say like four years ago when, again, I kind of realized that like social media influencers were getting all of this money and that was getting taken out of like the ad dollars for a stylist because mm. obviously on Instagram, you know, you can send clothing and pay a girl and they'll post the outfit and it gets more reach than maybe something in a magazine. I so, see. So what you're saying is it sounds like the work can be done remotely. Like you can literally just mail an outfit, they put it on, they snap a picture and then they send it back or whatever. Yes. So styling jobs are becoming a little bit kind of, our budgets were getting, you know, smaller and we mm -hmm. weren't getting paid as much. So I thought to myself, you know, I love sports. I love fashion. Mm -hmm. The two are completely merging together right now with athletes. Why don't I use my connections and start doing on camera and talking to athletes about fashion and what they're wearing. And so I've kind of become, I'm not an influencer per se, but I have a bit of a following and I was styling and then doing all this on camera stuff. So I just covered NBA summer league and I covered all the fashion that was there. Cool. Now, so now here's my version, the NBA summer league. Uh, that's the off season competition that's put on by the NBA um, where they get to try out kind of different rosters and stuff. Is that right? It, it is. And then all of the big NBA players come to watch. And of course they're all decked out in their outfits and their shoes oh. and all of that. So I got to cover that, but I just had an opportunity with a streetwear company by the name of the drop. And mm -hmm. they do daily streetwear drops, which is kind of my lane of the way that I dress. So I'm now their new content director. So I'm doing on camera with them, working with athletes, working with talent, social media. So it's kind of everything I love to do in one role with one company. Yeah, that's so cool. Now, would you say that's the advent of technology and social media that really kind of leaned into this opportunity? Because it does sound like your talents have all merged and come together. Yeah, they reached out to me after Summer League and it was, it was being identifiable on social media, mm -hmm. knowing that I could style, knowing that I know how to produce, I've been on set. So I think everything that I've done in my career since I was, you know, 25 to now 42 has <laughs> right. led up to this, to this moment. crazy role that kind of, I get to do all of those hats. Yeah, but gosh, what a great job. Very cool. I'm so proud of you. So happy for you. Thank you. It's been it's been a couple couple months now, but it's really fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like it. Um, so I'm really curious. Do you take your own advice? You know, I see you on social media. I haven't seen you in person recently, but like, are you always fashionable? Or tell me, no, give me the lowdown. Absolutely not. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> no, I mean, I I'm in sweats right now, but <laughs> I would say that I have a very particular style. And mm -hmm. so I probably go through my closet twice a year. I'm very organized. My sneakers are together, color coordinated. Mm -hmm. I don't like to have a lot of clutter. So I might've learned that from clean house. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe we rubbed off on you, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I kind of tend to wear the same stuff over and over. So I wouldn't say that I'm 
good at taking my own advice because I'm usually in like jeans, a t-shirt and sneakers. Right. But I actually, you know, I might have to push back with you on that. Um, I think to your point earlier about knowing who you are and, you know, what your lane is and what is your true style and not trying to be something else. Maybe that's just what, where you've come to in your life. You know, that's just kind of who you are. And like you said, you're able to pare down. It sounds like you're able to, you know, say that works, that doesn't, and just get rid of it and, you know, and just stay in the things that make you feel good. And that really are who you are. Would that be the case? It is. And when I do on camera, I obviously like kick it up a notch, yeah. but I'm still in my style that I like. And I mean, I've gotten to the age where I can go an online shop and see something and be like, that's going to fit me perfectly. Mm. And that's not. So I think I have a good idea of my body type and what works. And that's always kind of how I try to steer people. Yeah. Just really get to know, you know, what's going to work for you. Yeah. So, okay. So back to the, your process. So you meet some, and I know you distinguish two different kinds of jobs. So let's just say you're doing a um, editorial. It's a one day gig. You meet someone and uh, you're like, okay, what do you do? You uh, talk to them on the phone, you meet them in person, you look at the other clothes they like, like talk through a little bit of your process. Yeah. I mean, if it's an editorial with maybe a celebrity or an influencer, mm -hmm. you know, you usually have a bunch of phone calls with the producers and then you have phone calls with their publicist, most likely. And yeah, then I kind of scour through what they like what their particular style is. But then you also have to take in like the vision of the photographer. Mm -hmm. And so I always say that like usually on set, there's too many cooks in the kitchen because mm -hmm. you know, you have maybe the ad agency, the producer, the person from the magazine, the celebrity, the makeup artist, myself, plus, you know, the photographer. So yeah, anybody having a manager on, on there as thrown in the mix. Yes. So sometimes people can hem and haw for hours over one mm. look, but you usually have a lot of phone calls leading up to a shoot so that, you know, when that celebrity comes in, it's pretty easy for them and it's pretty seamless. All right. So I do want to know, have you ever gone through that entire process? Because I'm listening to your answer through the eyes of me as a designer. Have you ever gone through that entire process? And it just, they're like, uh-uh none of this works. <laughs> like it just doesn't work. Yep. <laughs> and so what do you do? What happens? It's very brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. I mean, I've been on set where I've had 10 racks of clothes and I think the most brutal one might've been, I did a job for Samsung mm -hmm. and the ad agency that was there was pretty much like, the people that were making it difficult and they would be like, do you have this blouse in this color with this collar and this material? And I'm like, well, it doesn't exist. So yeah. we can, I can get it made and that's going to cost you guys like $2,000 over budget in a day, or you can use this one that looks pretty similar. So like right. those conversations happen all the time. People think that like things exist that don't. Mm. Or, or yeah, maybe it's just no under zero understanding. It's kind of like we're learning from you now. You know, we yeah. think it's everything is just available and anything can happen. And, you know, I think a lot of that comes from Hollywood entertainment. You know, we do live I, in a bubble. 
and probably like yourself, you know, if you're watching a television show or a commercial, you're kind of focused on the interior design and all of that. Mm-hmm. Whereas I kind of do the same if I'm watching like a Tide commercial, I'm like, oh, whoever chose that outfit for that mom, like I'm not, like not a fan. But yeah. for most people, they're that's not what they're thinking. They're not like, I don't like that orange sweater the mom's wearing. Yeah. No, you bring up a really good point. I've had those moments. I've watched just like you. I've watched commercials. You probably look at wardrobe. But I look at rooms and placements of things and items. And I'm like, that's right. so I would never put that sofa with it. Like those pillows are just not where, you know, whatever. It's funny. Right. I used to get a lot of emails when I was on clean house. People would be like, your rooms are so dark. And why are all the drapes always closed? And, you know, and so that was like a kind of a repetitive comment. And I just wanted to tell people that, you know, we were not a high budget show meaning for continuity we had to close the drapes because if we started shooting during daylight and then it became nighttime what were we gonna do now we had a ton of money we'd put some lights outside but we didn't so i think what you're pointing to is yeah it seems like there's a lot of inner workings that you know if the average person was aware of they might be a little more forgiving and understanding agreed I mean, we did a lot on that show with a very slim budget between everything. I mean, I was always like bewildered when I saw the house at the end. I'm like, I don't know how they did this in like four days. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was bewildered too. Um, And I'm the (laughs) one who did it. Um, Hey, Susie. So, you know, we talk a lot about the best and worst dressed um, and, uh, you know, you have to have people in your world who you think are rock stars, like who is just like, you already mentioned Jennifer Aniston, which I love her on the morning show. I'm addicted to that show. Like who just continually kills it? Who, who's someone you just like, damn, they're good. I mean, obviously basketball players are trending right now. So I mm-hmm. do follow a lot of men mm-hmm. and like Russ Westbrook and Jordan Clarkson are amazing, but mm-hmm. When I look at guys that I love to watch, like Billy Porter, Harry Mm -hmm. Styles, for me right now, because when you talked about the androgyny, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not afraid to take these big, bold fashion risks and have people blow them up for it. But I love that they're able to express themselves through clothing. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the man dress. Seems to be a hot topic. I tried to pull hot out. topic. Yeah, I tried to convince you I had worn one, but I haven't. I think I dressed up one time as a woman for Halloween and I ended up looking like Fran Drescher and that's a whole other story. But um, okay, so yes, Billy Porter, Harry Styles, we're talking about the cover of Vogue magazine. So yeah, um, is this a trend that's going to stay? Are we moving in this direction? What's your thought on that? I mean, first I of all, tell everyone what the, I'm sorry. First of all, tell everyone what the man dress is. Like, what is it exactly? I mean, I don't even like really know. It's like Harry Styles put on like a slip dress mm-hmm. and, you know, it's kind of just, you know, a man in a dress, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Well, he but also like, wears pearls and you have to admit, he looks like a kind of a, a librarian from Gucci. Um, you I know, mean, he, he has this very specific iconic look, you know? I mean, he just dressed up as Dorothy from, you know, (laughs) which was amazing. I think people forget that in the 90s, like Kurt Cobain and all of them were already doing this. And that was my age, like the grunge era. So like, yeah. And I feel like for him, 
some of the like band dresses that he does kind of remind me because we're kind of back into that. People are wearing Doc Martens again. Guys mm -hmm. are painting their nails. You know, they're wearing a t-shirt underneath some sort of dress. So it reminds me of when I was in Seattle in the 90s when my dad was there. Hmm. Um, Billy Porter, totally different when it comes to, he is just an expressive, creative person. Mm -hmm. And so that's a whole different style of man dress to me because it's like he is going to wear what makes him, I, in my mind, makes him feel inspired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get so, that. Well, look, you know, just put it in the basketball world. I don't know any basketball players who've worn man dresses, but I mean, I go back to Dennis Rodman. I mean, he wasn't really yes. wearing, was he wearing women's clothes? I mean, I know he was wearing makeup, right? He was, and he did wear some women's clothing. Oh, uh, yeah. And right now, like the kilt is huge. Like at Fashion Week, a lot of basketball players were there wearing kilts. So, huh. you know, they're kind of doing whatever they think, you know, they want to do fashion wise. Yeah. So do you think, speaking of the 90s, do you think that fashion continually recycles itself? And, and if so, what is it every 20 or 30 years? Or how does that work? Absolutely. Um, I always say the pendulum just swings back mm -hmm. and forth. Right now, the skinny jean was in for what, the last five years? Sure. And then you just saw Justin Bieber on the sideline of the Laker game in Marky Mark baggy baggy denim that like engulfed his body so, right right well i, I think you're think speaking that, to kind of maximalism too isn't maximalism like really trending right now where people it's just you know more is better yes and again you know oversize and more and all of that but we're also kind of seeing now you know we're getting into like the technology of you know, like the digital era of fashion, mm -hmm. which I don't even know what that's going to be. Well, are you talking about like, like the political t-shirts? I see a lot of those, like your typical basic t-shirts. They, you know, but they all say something like, you know, we should all be feminists or something like that. seems like there's a lot of those. There's a lot of that. And now with the whole NFT market, like mm -hmm. I think Gucci sold a digital handbag for more than an actual handbag. Wow. So, and same with Dolce & Gabbana, there was a crown, a digital, I think it's like a mega something. I Forgive me for not knowing the word. Somebody ran it by me last night at an mm -hmm. event, but I could go and buy this digital Gucci bag as an influencer to put it up on my Instagram and pay like $4,000 for it. Wow. I know. But it doesn't really exist. And I'm like, where are we going with this stuff? <laughs> um, what other trends? I'll tell you from my standpoint, a big trend is I call it athleisure, you know, because I work out a lot. Um, yes. And I want clothes that I can move around in. You know, I can hop on a plane and fly, not be uncomfortable. So I don't know whether Lululemon really drove that trend. But wouldn't you say there's that's a big trend as well? That's my jam. Mm. Um I'm always in like streetwear and athleisure. Mm -hmm. I think it became obviously even more trending during COVID because that's all we wanted to wear. Right. But I actually don't see it going away. I think people have kind of, we're still working from home. We don't have to put on a suit unless we're going to an event. I think athleisure is just, you know, it's easy and comfortable. Yeah. How much do you think sustainability is playing a role in fashion these days? I mean, I know um, Eddie talks a lot about he goes to a show in Paris every year. And I guess the year before pan the pandemic, the whole show was attributed to sustainability. And do you think that's um, 
an important factor, especially as uh, we have younger people growing up in the world and purchasing fashion? I was on um, a couple clubhouses during COVID and mm -hmm. it is huge. And I think the younger generation is very aware of sustainability. I know Nike is doing a bunch of stuff right now. And the problem that we see is like H&M says that they have a sustainable clothing line and it's mm -hmm. actually not. So if you're very into sustainable clothing, you really have to do your research because some of the lines that say that they are, are not, but fashion is definitely moving in that direction. Because again, like we see the younger generation is very political and very into climate change and really aware of that type of clothing. Sure. And I think what you're referring to are two things. One, we call it fast fashion, which we, yeah. we suffer from the same thing in fast design. You know, it's this disposable for home furnishings. And, you know, it's funny, Susie, I'll, I'll share with you. At one point, I thought Ikea was that, you know, it was like the disposable, you keep it for a couple of years and then you trade it out and get something real. Well, do you know, I read an article a little short while ago that said all of the original Ikea furniture is now vintage and collectible. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Oh, <laughs> I can't even. I know. That's I'm how thinking. I think of Ikea, exactly what you said. Yeah. Like, yeah. So the other half of that coin is this thing called greenwashing, which you're talking about, where, like you say, um, companies like H&M, you know, they say they're eco-friendly or whatever the right words are, um, but they may not be. And so do you have any idea how we distinguish that? Is it really just researching and reading online? It is. I mean, you can find a lot of articles about that. I mean, and I actually didn't really know that much on it until I started, you know, being on some of these clubhouses and people talking about sustainability. Mm -hmm. But I think any major company right now has to start going in the green direction mm -hmm. because, you know, we want to see that product and we want to make sure that, you know, we're buying things that are going to help our environment and, you know, but once again, the Nikes and the H&Ms, like they will pull wool over people's heads yeah. know, and say that it's sustainable when it's not actually that. Yeah. So interesting. I mean, I feel like we're literally at a threshold, maybe a tipping point. You know, we talk so much about mm -hmm. the earth warming and temperatures and um, the climate. And, and it just, it, you know, I was having this discussion with my mom the other day, just about food isn't what it used to be. Healthcare isn't what it used to be. Now we've got fashion. I mean, there's just so many things in the mix um, that we're, we really have to make conscious decisions. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. And being my California liberal self, <laughs> yeah. uh, very much, I was like, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it but is. Yeah, I do. It's, it's, you know, kind of really being aware right now. And I think this is the first time in my life at my age that I'm like, you know, what's happening right now, if I have a child or my nieces and nephews, like it's impacting how their life is going to be in a decade or 20 years from now. Sure. Um, so I have a question for you because, um, you know, we talked a little bit about your process and where you pull a bunch of stuff and you get it and you shoot the shoots over and some stuff you have to keep and all that. But let's just say the average listener out there is listening, going like, okay, here I am talking to this awesome person. She's a stylist. She does all this amazing work. Like, what are some small little tips? Like you already said one thing, which was like, know your body type. I think that's really important. But are there kind of ways in which you can guide people into, um, you know, buying that 
the right clothes for them? There's certain stores. Is it colors? Is it style? Do you build an inspiration board? I don't know. You just tell me what are some things that can really help people, uh, you know, making smart choices when it comes to their clothes. You know, I always say again that less is more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I tell people twice a year, you really need to kind of go through your closet, organize it. I think color coordination is always good. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So that's I, good. So wait, wait, so like in your closet, do you categorize your clothes by color? So therefore you can kind of see what crosses over and coordinates or how do you do that? I do. Okay. So wow. okay. very kind of visually that kind of is easy for me, mm-hmm. but I also tell people to find colors that work for them. I mean, that's huge. I can't wear yellow. So uh, if yellow can anybody trendy, wear? Well, some people can. Some but people can. Ye- yellow is tough, man. It makes you uh, like you have jaundice. I mean, if you wanna, uh, if you're witnessing a trial and you wanna look really sick, just wear yellow. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. That's a tough color. But um, anyway, yeah. So okay, great. So you know what colors work for you and which ones don't. And I also kind of tell people a lot. You know, you really don't have to spend a lot of money. You know, you can do a lot of high low. You know, like I'll Mm -hmm. run into Zara and buy a really cute jacket, but then I'll pair it with like a Gucci bag. I mean, and again, I'm not saying to run out and buy designer handbags, but I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, you don't have to be head to toe designer or spend $500 Mm -hmm. on a blouse and you can really find great pieces for under $100. I love that because that that so happens to be mapped onto the world of interior design. High-low is really, really big. So for two reasons from my end, and I'm curious to see what you have to say about this. The first is, um, you know, oftentimes when you meet people and they have a certain energy and aura about them, you know, they might have like, for a bad example, a Rolex watch, but then they'll have a, like just a simple black shirt and a pair of cool jeans. And when you look at the whole picture, it just all kind of makes sense you're like oh it must it's all really cool because that's just kind of how the person wears them and what they bring to the table um where it's a little put offish if that's a word is like you said when you see someone like just completely branded you know maybe it's the polo hat the polo shirt the polo belt the polo jeans the polos you know where you just it's almost seems thoughtless would you agree with that 100 percent it's almost like somebody took what they saw on the runway and just put the whole thing on themselves or yeah. they bought the mannequin in the store window. Yeah. They just pointed at this. They went to the, up to a salesman and said, I want that. And then they just walked out. Can, and can I, can I wear it out? <laughs> but um, I think that yeah. like fashion and interior design very much kind of always in like the same lane mm-hmm. when you kind of say like that high low or what's trending. But it's really funny because I am terrible at interior design Hmm. like my mother will come and be like i don't really know what's going on with those throw pillows right and so i think as a wardrobe stylist i find it funny because i'm not good at putting a room together sure but that's a but that that makes sense because i think what you're pointing to is there's a craft there's a craft to what you do there's a craft to what i do it's not as simple as a pretty outfit or a pretty room it's just not that simple uh, you know, yeah. there's so much foundation to it and thought and 
you know, process. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny because, you know, as I said, Eddie, you know, he's now creative director for a men's line and he went to fit them, as I mentioned. And, uh, when people ask like, oh, you're two designers living under one roof. Wow. That must be tough. It's actually really not tough because a, <laughs> we don't talk about design and B his world of design is very different than my world of design. Right. 100%. And yeah. I'm excited for him that he's doing that. That's amazing. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, all right, cool. Well, hey, um, oh, I've learned so much. Now I, now I just feel like I need to make smarter choices, you know. But, but I have learned from you. Actually, learned and been reinforced by what you what you're saying. That is. I know who I am. I know what I feel comfortable in. I know what makes me feel good. You know, I, I'll be the first to tell you, Susie, in college, I was the guy who rolled out of bed and I was notoriously known for wearing the two different socks in, in college because I just didn't care. I just grabbed what was in my, I dressed in the dark, basically, is what I'm telling you. Um, but, um, and over time, maybe that rubbed off on me. It gave me a sense of like, look, you know, you are who you are do your best, find the stuff that you love and works for you. And, right. and yeah. And I think, uh, that really exudes, you know, I mean, like what, you know, when you meet people who could literally be wearing a Hanes t-shirt and a pair of Levi's, but there's just something about them that just seems yeah. so, so like on point, you know? And we're always going to have a fashion faux pas at some point. I mean, every celebrity has gone down a red carpet and you're like, Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. But okay. Then, you know, happens. <laughs> Well, you brought it up. So we talked about your best dressed. Who do you think just really needs some help? Who's out there that just just doesn't quite hit the mark every time you see them on a red carpet? You know, it's funny because I feel like, I mean, if I talk women, women in their 40s and 50s are just killing it right now. Like the mm -hmm. Nicole Kidmans and, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you can go to like even further, like Michelle Obama and Diane Keaton, because I think they've come into their own. It's more like the younger people like Miley Cyrus, sometimes Rihanna just really misses the mark for me, yeah. Nicki Minaj, you know, but it also might be because they're kind of young and I don't know what they're doing sometimes, mm -hmm. but I think I gravitate more towards these women that have just come into their own as they've aged and mm -hmm. just always look fantastic. Oh, well, I'll, 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 I'll take that as a, the men who've come into their yes. age. Yes. No, 100%. I, I completely agree with you, but you know, in, in their defense, you know, they're young, they're, they're figuring it out. They're probably yes. also being influenced by a lot of people, you know? And so, you know, at some point they're going to find their way and be, say no to that and yes to that. So um, it's a process. I'll tell you, fashion's really interesting. I don't think anyone came out of the womb fashionable. Did you? No, I mean, maybe <laughs> one or two people, but not, not really. I'll tell you on, on the men's worst dress list, they're like yeah. Johnny Weir, Johnny Weir is up there for me. I'm like, what are you doing? But again, uh, he kind of like tries to do his thing. He does. I know he does a lot of sports casting for NBC, especially like obviously ice skating. Um, yeah. yeah, he gets a lot of, <laughs> a lot of attention, especially with those he head does. pieces and the jewelry and, you know, and I don't think it's anything about wearing stuff that's traditionally worn by a woman. It's just the the level of execution and taste. I think yeah. that, that's what people question. I think that's where I where I'm at with him. But yeah, yeah. Again, he's fun, and you know, yeah. I appreciate that he's you know wants to do the stuff that he does. Yeah, and hey, hats off to NBC. 
you know, I mean, you know, we all stand for Absolutely. diversity and, you know, he is the uh, definition of diversity. And as we all are, we, we really all are. We all fit into that puzzle somehow. All right, Susie. Well, hey, I have a last question for you. Um, it's kind of my famous last question. What would the Susie of today tell the younger Susie? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, probably not to take myself so seriously. I was mm. very, you know, into the way that I looked and, you know, kind of defining myself by what society's definitions said that I needed to be. Mm-hmm. And now I'm so much more of like a free spirit and I don't let things bother me. And if something goes wrong, I don't take it to like the heart anymore. So I feel like I've just kind of matured into a happier place. Yeah, that's good to hear. Well, and it makes me feel good to have known you and, you know, to have had the experience of working with you at not necessarily the beginning of your career, but a time when you were, as you described that, and, uh, and now, you know, you've evolved. And I hope that's the case for all of us, right? Yeah, but honestly, Clean House to me was probably one of the best experiences of my life. Like it was just a family. And when I look back at my styling career, like the memories that were formed there, even everyone's kind of gone off on their own and Mm -hmm. is doing different things is, you know, like I love to tell people about that. And when people find out, they still love the show. Mm. And so it's great to say, like, I got to style everyone on it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great show. And, uh, you know, it it still lives. You're right. It's out there in the zeitgeist. Um, Mm -hmm. People talk about it. Uh, Gosh, you know, I follow you on Susie Styles on Instagram. Um, How else can people get in touch with you? Is that the best way through Instagram? Yeah, I think Instagram is probably the best way. And I'm Mm -hmm. always good at answering anybody's questions. So yeah. Well, you might get a few questions, maybe from me or Eddie, wondering what the hell's going on over here. Um, <laughs> but um, Susie, I absolutely enjoyed it. Um, I will continue to follow your career. Uh, I love what you do. Your energy is awesome. You're, you're so scandalabra on so many levels because I think you have such an inside take on what's happening. And sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. But you know what matters is we figure it out along the way. So I appreciate you being on the show. This was so fun. And please tell Eddie hello, because he's one of my other favorite people. (laughs) I will. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. This has been an MBU production. To learn more, go to markburnetts.com. That's M-A-R-K-B-R-U-N-E-T-Z.com.